Welcome to a podcast on marketing. I'm your host, Jordan Ogren, and this is a podcast where we talk about marketing. First question, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, man. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is David Riggs. I am the founder of Numa Media. We are a web dev and SEO company. Uh, and then a small little thing, which is fun. We just finalized uh, kind of all the formal stuff for a second company called Talos. Um, and they are basically going to become like the operations agency um, in the sense of if you are a marketing agency or a digital marketing agency or really just any type of service-based business that would function like an agency, uh, Talos would be your go-to to build out really all your tech stack, your infrastructure operations, things like that. So from you know custom Airtable basis to Notion to really everything in between, uh, we're going to kind of become that one-stop shop for a lot of people just to make sure their agencies are running operationally. Uh, big reason why Numa grew as quickly as we did was because of our operations. So we wanted to uh, kind of give the fun back to the world and hopefully give people that same benefit of, you know, good operations in a company. Oh, sweet. Yeah. If one company wasn't enough, hey, in a year or so, you have to start yeah, exactly. another one. That's, yeah, that's I was awesome. going to say, if I'm not busy enough now, I might as well throw another company <laughs> on. But now we got a good team over there. Small right now, just two people, but uh, good clients, fun projects. So really excited for that little venture to stand up. But it's always nice to have, you know, uh, almost like an ops management wing to the business, or at least connected to, because it uh, definitely helps Numa grow quicker because we have a full team now dedicated to ops uh, and a full COO as well. Uh, but it's also helpful for others that, you know, as I build a network, things like that, especially on the marketing front, you know, get connected with people like you, but others that might be in an agency space, they might not always buy a website or SEO from us, so I can't necessarily help them in that regard, but I can help them from ops and things like that. So. It is a it's a fun way for me to kind of reconnect with some of the people that I've been connected with and you know offer value that I couldn't have done before. Definitely, yeah. It seems they play uh, kind of hand in hand or well with each other too. So that's that's smart. So the first question that I like to just start off with and kind of see where it takes us is is what is something you've been obsessed with lately? What is something you know whether it's something you've been geeking out about or just something recently that you just can't stop thinking about doing? Whether it's marketing, business, or even just life in general. Yeah, right now, the one thing, especially in business, is uh, retention. And not from the sense of, you know, how do you word a contract to confuse people to get them to stay longer or have those, you know, the weird nitty gritty clauses that some people will. You know, how do you just do it fair and square? How do you become the best service provider out there, become A1 at what you do, uh, and, you know, have high levels of retention because of that? So, studying a lot of psychology right now, just like what are the things that I can do, or how can I frame certain actions to actually promote the, uh, you know, the recurring nature or the retention of that customer, um, I think is what I'm really focused on. And I think a lot of service providers today struggle to keep clients three, four, five, six months. You know, I'm, I'm focused on trying to make it an average of like 18 months down the line. So really focused on just, you know, how can I be so different that people really stick with us? Um, so yeah, I think that's the one big thing I'd say business. Um, you'll learn throughout the podcast. I do things outside of business, but business is right for me. It is kind of like an art form. Uh, I have a blast doing it. It's it's what I enjoy doing. It's my both, you know, what I want to be good at, but also like a, a way to, in a weird way, like express myself, express what I'm interested in and like uh, almost like relax while doing business all at the same time with different types of things going on. So very, very laser focused on that right now, but trying to think outside of business, if I was to separate it, uh, trying to get better at training my two dogs. I got uh, a shepherd mix and a, and a Vishla mix and trying to just ultimately uh, not have them be so wild at times. Granted, they're two, one's two and one's nine months, so they're gonna be wild, 
um, but slowly and surely trying to get them trained up. So they are, uh, not that I trained them to do this, but they're sound asleep right now, which makes my life easy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. That's interesting. Yeah, I feel a lot of the people I talk to on this podcast are like you. They do stuff outside, but uh, they also feel, you know, some rejuvenation just in doing what they do because they love it. It's it's a passion. It's something that they do. So that's, yeah, that's good to add that on. And I, I agree with you that not that I'm obsessed with retention, but just the fact of the importance of retention. I mean, there's statistics or studies out of how much it costs to gain a new customer versus just retain a customer is so, you know, so much better to do. And I think a lot of times with marketing, we can focus a lot on reach. How do we get attention? How do we go, you know, get new eyeballs? Where I've I've been finding a lot of actually great marketing or marketing's around the residents. It's about going deeper with those that have already opted in that want to be there and figuring out how can we continually deliver, you know, delight them per se to extend their time with you to 20 to two years, however many months, you know, from where we're at now to longer. Cause it just makes our marketing easier. I feel when you can retain who you already have. Makes the so marketing a, easier, but I think marketing in itself is kind of flawed in that sense of like, we have definitely over prioritized a lot of the top of funnel metrics um, and have forgotten what to do with the top of funnel metrics. Once we get it, that awareness is not necessarily revenue unless you know how to take awareness to, middle of the funnel to bottom of the funnel to a sales process and convert. Um, and that's one thing I always say is that more is not always better until you know what to do with more to begin with. Um, because a lot of people just assume that going viral is going to fix the problems and they've never closed a deal or closed multiple deals or have a pipeline or have the tech set up to where like virality doesn't help them because they couldn't manage the 100 or 150 views that they were already getting. So yeah, it's uh, one thing we focus on a lot that I'm very quality driven in everything that we do. I don't like to overload things. A lot of our competitor agencies from like a, a lead scenario, they might generate 10 times, literally legitimately 10 times more leads than we do across the year. We do the same revenue. So it's all about, for me, quality and making sure we're hitting the right people at the right time and speaking to people that actually want to speak to us and you know have interest in buying. That means we might still have as much awareness as with them, but we've just set up certain gates and cadences to make sure that the right people are coming through our funnel. Hmm. No, that's good. Yeah, I like that. We'll definitely probably touch on some of that later in this episode. But another question I like to start off with, which is a real ground ball kind of question, but I get many different answers is, is how do you define marketing? What is the job marketing should get done in a business? Yeah, marketing is uh, simultaneously communicating with the 100 people that you don't actually have a personal relationship with. So I think the way I've always explained it is that sales is one to one, marketing is one to many. Uh, and marketing is really that art form of like, without talking to your, like without knowing every single one of those visitors or views online personally, directly, like you're essentially having to craft a strategy that's talking to as many people as once. Uh, but marketing is also the art of like defining who those people are uh, and what you're gonna say to them. So you have full reign over who you're talking to and how you're talking to them. But it's really that art form of like, you gotta choose the right people and talk to them in the right, right way. And I think the challenging thing is that in the digital age, we all kind of hide behind a cell phone it's really hard to put a face to a name whenever it's typically like a, you know, a username or a profile or something like that. Um, and I think that's definitely a challenge because you don't always get to see the people that you're marketing to. Uh, I guess you do, but they could hide behind odd profile photos and odd photos, or they could just be inactive and like, you know, what people call like the lurkers that are just in the background. Um, but I think that's, to me, that's, that's definitely marketing, right? The goal of that is really just to and I think everyone wants to tie it to revenue in a sense of like directly impact revenue. I want to point to like this blog, where, you know, brought me 170 leads. And I think that's so cool. And if you can track it, that's great. 
But I think at the end of the day, like, what are some of those vague metrics that you can track? I like looking at branded search for a lot of companies that we do, like, outside of SEO, just do, like, marketing help for. That branded search is increasing. That's typically meaning you're winning business elsewhere. They're coming to Google to search for you, which, one, means you still need to be present on SEO so people can find you. But, two, uh, you know, branded search is important because it shows that you're in people's heads, right? So I think little things like that help. And at the end of the day, for me, marketing is talking to all those people in the background, so to speak. But... Uh, it's also, you know, doing all that to impact revenue, whether directly or indirectly. Hmm. Yeah, because if it's not doing anything to revenue, you could argue it should be called like cheerleading, you know, just kind of saying, yeah. look at us, we're doing all these cool things, but it's not impacting anything. And just kind of something I've heard from somebody, I can't even uh, recall, but they kind of said marketing's, you know, right message, right time, right person, right channel. So it's kind of, you were you were touching on some of that. You got to know who, you know, you're talking to. And then that messaging is key of who, who what's, what are you even saying? So the one to many, what is that message you're sharing with the many? Um, because and to know that you have to know kind of who is the many, who are those people? So that's, that's a good definition. How do you then look at marketing, whether it's your own or marketing in the, uh, on LinkedIn or anywhere else and kind of say whether directly or indirectly, like that's good. Or you see some marketing, you're like, ooh, that's bad. Like, obviously, it's subjective, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, like, if you had to put, how do you create that dichotomy between good and bad marketing? Yeah, and this is, oh, it's such a great question. And this is one that I get on people for. I hate, uh, and our team knows this, so I'm not even using our team as an example anymore. I just hate, like, back in the day or, like, other companies or clients that we'll work with, like, hey, we need to review this piece. Why? Like, you're not the ones converting off of it. You're not the ones reading it. Now, I do uh, empathy, right? I do get that you want to make it your brand. And I do understand that it's a, a professional representation of you online. But at the end of the day, are we writing blogs for you? Or are we writing blogs, and I'm thinking for SEO specifically, writing content for you? Or the people that have their credit cards ready to purchase from you, right? Uh, good and bad marketing is determined to the extent of how the market reacts to it. I have put out some really crappy pieces in my day that do really well. I've put out some really great pieces in my day that do really well. Like how I'm going to define quality and some of the stuff that we do uh, is purely an emotion from myself. How, quote unquote, the market will decide, the people with the credit cards that are ready to pay us. I care more about them because I want to impact their behavior. And I think that's one thing that I, honestly everyone struggles with in terms of marketing, right? Um how do I get out of my own head? How do I, you know, transplant that with the target customer ICP's brain and really hone in on like what they'd want to see? Um, so yeah, I, you know, qualitatively, I think there's probably things that we could call it good and bad marketing of like, don't use Comic Sans for a graphic. Okay, bad, bad marketing. Uh, but then, you know, could I use it in a way that's a meme and kind of funny and a joke that it gets spread around because it makes fun of Comic Sans and maybe I'm a graphic design company and that'll bring some awareness? Well, okay, now it's good marketing. Uh, so I really think it's, man, marketing is marketing. Pitch it uh, and let's let people see what happens. I think all marketing is good marketing if you have some type of general strategy or thought process to it. But at the end of the day, what defines if it's actually good for the business is going to be, uh, do people notice it? Do they mention it in a sales process? And does it help them uh, close with you quicker, spend more money, stay longer, things like that? Um, yeah, I'm always one, you know, what, what's a good website and a bad website? I have some ideas about what's structured, but you know, the best way is to launch it and see what other people say. Hmm. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Like a product is my mind of always like, you know, you could build the best product, but if nobody's signing up for it or whatever, it's not a great product. But to your point about, you know, it's almost correlated to how the market reacts. 
how do you not just then optimize always for what the market wants? So always making the, you know, hey, I was, you know, in a dumpster living, you know, at 25 and now I'm a millionaire because that's what the market loves on LinkedIn. They, they eat yep. that stuff up like it's <laughs> sugar, you know, like, so where do you find that balance of, yeah, you need to have some sort of like people telling you this is good. I like it. But then also not always chasing those market uh, vanity metrics. Yeah, it's almost... It, there's not like a, a fun great answer here it's just like are you ethical are, are you like you marketing the product in a way that actually encourages people to buy the product that you own or are you misleading people um and ironically i'm on uh are you familiar with uh theranos and elizabeth holmes so they they have the dropout now on hulu have you watched that just no just, i haven't just came I heard out about it though last yesterday the third yeah uh i'm i'm big on that so i come from a finance background so it's always just incredibly inner entertaining intriguing for me to see people that like i've been in the finance world and i know all the steps you got to go through to get funding and go through like how do these people make it so far just through it uh but the funny thing with her is that like that's where i would say like you got to have a layer of ethic ethical to it or just have an ethical layer to what you're marketing in general i this is not me saying pro or con elizabeth holmes because i really don't even though i listen to the podcast i don't care enough to make a judgment uh but it's like think about it that way right she has this great product. Um, she's doing great marketing, but then it turns out the product isn't all that good. Like it actually just doesn't work, uh, supposedly. You know, is well, who's who's at fault? Was she misled? Was the marketing bad? Is the is in that sense? Is it? Do we need to add a layer of like ethical responsibility to make sure that we're not marketing things that don't exist? Um, so I think that comes into it. But my answer has always been like, I'll get that question, and almost like, not in this podcast, but I'll get it from other people. Like, they're asking when is too far, too far. And it's almost like, dude, wrong question. Like, what is good marketing? Focus on good marketing. If you're asking what is too, like, when is too far, too far, you're probably coming at marketing from a wrong scenario of, again, obsessed with that top of funnel and no interest in how that top of funnel converts down the line. Because not all views are created equal. I could get 100 views on a video that went viral, and maybe a million would be a better number. 97% of those could be my mom's friends. Like, that's not good quality lead. That's not good quality traffic, right? It's, She's got a, She's lot, got of a friends. lot of friends. Uh, I was going to say, <laughs> once you're on Facebook, if I get out there. But yeah, uh, yeah I think that's where like, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you're asking those questions and you're listening to this, it's almost like, okay, take a big step back. Um, like, how is, like when is too far too far? When do you start crossing the line? Let's just ask, like, what do people actually want to see from us? And I think that's where, again, then, yeah, like you said, it, it gets in this weird paradox of like, okay, I know what they want to see from us, but it doesn't align. I think that's the creativity of the marketer though, right? Like, the, the rags to riches stories, people eat that up on LinkedIn. Is it the rags to riches stories or is it something else about that content that's making people interested? Because rags to riches stories are gonna get shared in any form, right? Um, but is it still about the rags to riches or is it the way the story is told? Because every time you have a story, you have the pain point, you have the, like the, the hero's journey, right? Okay, you break down that content. Okay, cool, it's not so much about the rags riches or the, those fancy nine minute long videos that are fake stock footage photos every like four seconds. It's, okay, it was just a good, like the story was built correctly. I'm gonna bring that story over here until our companies were in the same light. It's not as interesting, one may say, as that rags riches, but you know, it, it could still get shared. It could still have those same uh, pieces to it. So I would say as well, whenever you start to break down marketing of like what the market wants, don't look at the, the paint on the car, look at the car itself. Um, Right, because a lot of people get obsessed with that flash of like, oh, that was a cool video animation. People must love that video animation. That's why this was shared. 
in scenarios I've seen that happen of like it really was just the animation. But how many times have I shared a video or you because of a cool animation? Hardly ever. I've shared some horrible low quality videos and some high quality videos on my social because of that underlying content, the car, how it works, what it's built for to do, right? So I think that's where I always tend people to look of like, when I say, okay, uh, do what the market wants or get feedback from the market, get feedback on the, the car. Why are things working? Not at a high level, what's the fancy thing that people seem to be attracted to? Because I tend to say it's never the fancy thing. There's always an, another layer that you can go to really digest why people are consuming something. Yeah, no, I like that. It's not the flames exactly. on the side, the vinyl, right? It's that car. No, I like that. I like that. I've never heard that uh, analogy metaphor. Yeah, get ready for analogies, That's man. a good I'm one like to a, think through. I yeah, like I get it. crap from the, the guys in the business. I am all analogy. That's what I try and relate everything to. But yeah, it's, the, it's how the car functions, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, if you just need something to drive from A to B, you don't care if it has flames. You don't even care if it has a passenger seat. If all you need to do is get in that car and drive it. You know, if it's got your basics, the seatbelt, the thing, you're good. I think for a lot of marketing, let's make sure it has the basics. Good storytelling, good content, good core, good ask, good call to action. The rest can come. And you can experiment with the flames. I think we'll take this analogy a a step deeper. Flames will get more attention. If your car is built correctly, now you can have the best of the both worlds. You're getting good attention with good content. But, you know, don't be uh, all flames because at the end of the day, you're not going to have much to show for it after. Yeah, no, I like that. And people will be more upset when they buy the exactly. car that has those flames to realize that like it has like a crappy seat. And what happens when you get marketed? I was going to say you get marketed to really well and their ad campaigns are flawless and all their content and copywriting is great. And then you get to the product and it's a massive letdown. Well, that's no fun. <laughs> <laughs> right. I was going to say, or as we talked about retention, that'll make sure I never come back or tell people about you or anything like that. Exactly, exactly. All right, let's jump to a strong held belief. What is something you, what is a hill you're willing to die on in marketing, in websites, SEO, that regardless if others are, it's just something you deeply believe? Your website uh, will not tell you when it wins you a deal, but it, or I guess it, it, it'll tell you when you win a deal. It's not going to tell you when you lose a deal. And that's always a thing because I'll get on calls with people that say, oh, you know, uh, we just don't use our website a lot for marketing. And the hill I always die on is, yes, you might not use it for marketing, but you know who does use it in their sales process? The people you want to pay you. And this is just where, right, like in a physical store, you can see how many people walk in and out and purchase. You know that your store is making an impact and it's turning some people away based on certain aspects and you refine it. Uh, Being online, it doesn't do the same thing, right? Because at the end of the day, you don't know when people are getting turned around. And you see it on a Google Analytics dashboard, but it's, it's harder to put a face to the name. Uh, And my hill that I'm dying on is that right now for any business out there in the entire world, uh, whether you do or don't have a website is impacting positively or negatively the way you acquire new revenue. And if you have not touched it in eight years, if it's not well written, if it doesn't tell your story, you better believe there are going to be people that come to your site and you lose because they're just not interested in purchasing from you because you haven't said the right things. And uh, equally, this is a hill I die on because other people in this space are like, you have to have a website or you'll never make money. That's also not true. I am not, uh, you know, up in airs about uh, the fact that a website is going to just magically change your business and not having one will cost you everything. But I do think it makes things a whole lot easier. And if you're interested in making things easier and getting there a little quicker, uh, why wouldn't you, right? Like I always get frustrated that people are like, oh, I've made a million dollars on the website. And I'm like, that's so, like, I'm so proud of you. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that's happened for you. Why would you, why'd you choose the hard path to do that? 
It's it's like you know if I'm going from point A to point Z <laughs> and I have a plane to ride, it's somebody's cheering me on or trying to get me to congratulate them for walking from point A to point Z. Like you could have taken a plane. Why like you spend a little extra money and save all that time? Why wouldn't you? So that's where I get a little frustrated. But the hill I die on is the fact that like uh, your website, uh, you do not get a choice in whether or not it impacts the way you acquire revenue. It does. You have the choice about whether it's a positive or negative impact, right? So. Uh, some people won't believe me. Some people think everything's all social driven, but uh, there's a reason. Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook all have a link in a bio, and 80 or so percent of profiles put it to a website link or a brand-owned media link, right? They're they're pushing people to their website. Their websites are still used. They're everywhere. People access them daily. Um, I think we've gotten this social TikTok world to where like, oh, it's all about social content, and social content's a big part of that. But you know, if you're selling an e-commerce product. Uh, what happens when you win them over with your TikTok, but your site takes 45 seconds to load? You, you, are you still getting the sale? Probably not. Um, so yeah, that's the hill I'm dying on in the sense of, I think websites, everyone sees them as boring, outdated. TikTok's way cooler, right? Because it scrolls and it's all video content. But uh, you know, simple sales and simple scales. Uh, the simple and easy thing to do for a business is typically just go in and update a website if you're doing some type of online marketing because you'd be surprised a lot of people are uh, coming to your site a lot more than you'd care to admit, or equally, no one's coming to your site because everyone's bouncing. And that's not good either. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I know in a Drift book, uh, they talked about your website as being your storefront, using that analogy. And it is so yep. true. I mean, I think so many times with whether it's marketers or business owners, we completely blank on how we purchase stuff or how we go about vetting things. Because <laughs> we go to a website, I'll go to a website and I instantly, quickly, it's a first impression. You have, you know, something in your tooth or not. It's okay, this website loaded super weird, things are out of place, or boom, it looks, you know, sexy and it looks good check mark i mean who isn't doing that maybe the person who doesn't you know have a computer but it's funny how we forget sometimes of like how we go about doing things and to your point about you know you don't need a website to make money but it'll help it's like someone who just eats twinkies and like tons of wrong things and they're like yo but i'm losing weight like i'm so good looking it's like yeah but imagine what you could do if you were like on a healthy diet man like you'd look so much better yeah. so i really i i think that's so true that you don't need it but like why wouldn't you just improve it, have one, make it better? Yeah. That's a good point. And it's always just like one of the easiest things that I see. And you said it, which is what I love. I, why do marketers always forget how they purchase things? Because they make up this brand story of someone's going to follow us on TikTok for 37 days. And they're going to need to be touched by our content 19 times. And then they're going to you know, come onto our website uh, and fill out a Drift chatbot. So all we need is a homepage. And... Like, I'm like, okay, cool, great. Have you ever done that cadence? <laughs> well, no, I'm not our target. I'm just like, okay, where, where did this break? Because you're giving me this grand story, but uh, I granted, you're not always the ICP, but like, uh, have you ever even heard someone purchasing like that? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay, then why are we doing it? Like, just go ask your customers. And here's what I hear a lot when we just go talk to our customers, which is that simple answer to most problems. Yeah, you know, I came on the website, read a couple blogs, filled out the form, really excited to chat today. Okay, or, or it's, hey, followed you on social for a long time, clicked the link in the bio, came to your website, poked around, you know, looked at a couple case studies and, you know, filled out a form. I'm, I'm super excited to, you know, talk about your free marketing assessment. And I'm just, every time it's the website mentioned. Um, you know, you, you can get an attribution as well about like why that can be a little misleading to this argument, but I do think it's funny. Go talk to your, you know, if you're trying to piece together that brand story or the, the buyer's journey, 
go ask people that purchased from you and see what pops up. Ask deep, detailed questions to see where they were hanging out. 90% of the time, I bet it starts something like social. They found you in some group uh, and they eventually converted on your website. Um, so yeah. yeah, yeah, even with, you know, Instagram or some of these having these in-platform purchasing ability, it's still, I don't think, you know, unless obviously it's a very low consideration purchase, it's just some Hanes underwear that I need to purchase or whatever it is. Like I'm going to want to like, who is this company? It may not totally sway, but I want it their about page or just whatever. So yeah, totally true. And on, well, then here, here's the other thing too, right? Instagram has that. What about the people on Twitter or LinkedIn? There you go. I mean, let's yeah. say Instagram works great and everyone chooses to purchase on Instagram instead of, you're still missing out on, granted, Facebook and Instagram is a big share of that. And this is more e-commerce driven, which is where we don't always focus. But, you know, I would still say there's a great reason to go have a Twitter or a LinkedIn or shoot, even in your Instagram and Facebook, because you're going to hit it. People might still check out on Instagram, but they're going to check out your website potentially before, during or after to go resell or do different things like that. Um, the other thing as well. Uh, a good website is going to help your retargeting efforts and advertising efforts and things like that. If you have a good, clean website that keeps quality visitors on it, it's going to help. If you have a website that bounces everybody away, uh, you're not going to have a ton of chances to retarget anyone because you're scaring everybody off the first time you get on your site. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good ad. And yeah, Instagram is just a piece of the pie. could be a large piece, but it's just a piece. That's a good point to note. On the topic of websites, what are two to three mistakes you see most companies make with their websites? Routine things that are just like, ah, uh, why? The first one, they build it for their founder. Um, I think the founder is actually the one that needs to be driving the story home in a way, but it, you always need to pair it with a customer um, in the sense of, I think I see a lot of marketing directors build out a new website and they're like, oh, but my founder likes this version. Your founder's not the one paying for anything. Your founder's not the one checking out and buying the product or service or giving you feedback. Founder is not the one we should be optimizing for. We should keep them happy, but keeping them happy is much different than tailoring to all of their needs and wants. Keeping them happy shows like explaining the strategy, telling them why we're doing something and getting them excited about why we're doing it that way. I think that's number one. That's the biggest one I see. Uh, number two is they think SEO is too old for them to utilize. Um, Man, SEO is one of the easiest and most fun things to do. And I always explain it like this. If I told you that uh, you could buy a stock at $50 and it's gonna go up to maybe let's say $60 over the course of 10 years, but every year it's gonna pay you another $15, another $15, another $15. So like, okay, in 10 years you made 150 off of what's called that dividend and you get $10 extra for holding the stock. So you made $200 off an initial investment of $50. That sounds great. You explain it in SEO, you put money up front, right? You hold it, you do some you do some upfront work, you maintain it, manage it, start spinning off deals and deals and deals and deals and deals. The whole thing's more valuable as you go on because it accrues on itself. I think that's one thing that everybody hears SEO of just uh, keyword stuffing and it's no one buys through Google anymore, no one searches for me and it's not sexy like TikTok, which means many people are just ignoring it. Uh, and if you're a competitor of one of our clients, I love that because <laughs> keyword difficulties are so easy. And I will happily tell you, people still buy through Google or still enhance their buyer's journey through Google. Um, I'm not gonna say it's everybody. Again, I'm not blindly saying that SEO is solving everyone's problems or websites are as well. But again, it's like the plane and the bike analogy or the plane and walking analogy. I've given you an easier option. Uh, it might cost a little bit, but I think it's gonna make things easier for you in time and money on the backside probably going to be worth it. Like why, why would you brag to me that you're doing the more difficult version of the two when you could do the easier version? So 
that's number two. I think as people just don't see SEO as sexy, so they uh, don't want to do it. They want to ignore it. They want to act like it's not a real thing. Um, I don't think that's beneficial for anyone, but I don't think that's the best for the company because it's, it's worth a shot. I'm not, again, not going to say it's going to win or lose you the day, but why would you not try it out for six months to a year in the grand scheme of things? If you're thinking your company is going to be around for decades, a year is not a lot of time to test a marketing strategy that could really work for you. So building for your founder, really not thinking about SEO. And then the third one, these are all high level. Uh, we can maybe get technical if you want me to do another three, but like uh, your website doesn't take eight months to build. It, it doesn't take you six months to build. You know, and now our projects will run anywhere from two to three months. Uh, and I tend to think that's quick for how much we do in those time frames. Uh, I would love to do everything in a week and spend the other two months and three weeks optimizing. Um, people overemphasize for like this big fancy launch, like everyone's watching for this new website to go live. Dude, nobody cares. Nobody's paying attention. Uh, even if you have a massive following, they're probably not paying enough attention to be like, no one's going to jump on a live stream and watch a new website go live. <laughs> so then this begs the question, if it's not a first priority, but I do know people are using it, but it, you know, a website launch isn't going to win me customers. A new website is though. Why don't I just slowly but surely update it, optimize it, read into the data, get an MVP version up that I'm comfortable with, that I know is a clean slate for me to start tracking data off of and go from there. So I think that's the third thing. People treat these uh, like a website is building an apartment building. Uh, an apartment building is a great analogy, right? You can't move into the apartment building while you're building it. You have to wait until it's done to move in. Websites aren't like that. Uh, I can build a floor or build a room and move into it, then build another room and move into it and build another room and move into it. I kind of set the rules on that front. Uh, and I just think a lot of people overestimate, like they make it this big overarching fancy build and it takes forever. Man, our site was launched in a weekend uh, and I have tweaked it daily, if not weekly since then. Uh, so I think those are the three big overarching things, building it for their founder whenever it's just blindly building um, not really thinking about SEO is viable because it's not flashy. And then that third one is they're taking too long to build it and they're, they're missing out on plenty of opportunities from a data analysis perspective. Yeah, I like that last point just from, I, I use a lot of product analogies. Yeah, people can spend years and years building a product where if you could just got a you know prototype up an MVP, you could quickly realize the right direction you should have went. Um, but I think some people don't intentionally, they, they just avoid the feedback. So if we build it, you know, eight months, we don't have to, you know, wait, we don't get that feedback that quickly where for you, you build in a weekend, you instantly get people, hey, this isn't working or hey, you know, like I think you should need this section. But like for me, I'm guessing you too, like that's great because then you know what to build next or you know what to add rather than adding all these rooms to your building and realizing like they just wanted a living room and like a bedroom. Like that's all they wanted. But we spent this infrastructure on building this huge seven bedroom apartment and now it's like getting wasted because nobody's actually using it. So I, I like that. Nobody's paying attention to it. Yeah, yeah and no, it's just like another that. thing that we tend to uh, make things, humans in general, marketers especially, uh, tend to make things complex because it makes you feel successful. Look at this ad mm. campaign that has 97 different steps to it. How cool is that? Well, does it help? Does it do? Does it? Is it 97 times better? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> okay, then why do we do it? Uh, so I think that's where websites come in. You want to make it this big, flashy, complex thing to feel accomplished. Um, no, it, it, it just doesn't need to be. Um, the way we do things are short, sweet, to the point. I think every site needs like seven pages. Core pages, maybe some of those are templated, duplicated. Blogs don't necessarily count. Utility pages wouldn't count. But like six, seven core pages, build off the back of that, you're good. You don't need these 900-page sites unless you're like a product-type business and each page is like a product category, things like that. 
Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Uh, and I like the truth there spitting about just, yeah, we, we do struggle to kind of keep things simple and also feel like we're being successful or uh, accomplishing exactly. much, <laughs> which, is, which is bad. To your second point, SEO. When is SEO not a good strategy? Like, when should a company not focus on SEO? Because to your point, obviously, if we have unlimited resources, why not throw the fish hook on that lane? But let's say I only have two fish, you know, fishing rods. I need to pick, in a sense, content, podcasting, SEO. Like, when does SEO not become a first investment or strategy for a company? And I, I will actually tweak tweak the question to redefine. SEO is done keyword by keyword. So SEO per keyword should almost always be done at any level of any stage of business. Um, now it just depends, you know, when is it advantageous to run, let's say a thousand keyword campaign, which would be aggressive versus a one keyword campaign. You know, I'd probably wouldn't recommend the new business to go run a thousand keyword campaign because at that point you're running an SEO agency, you're not running your business. But I think for these new businesses, let's say there's one keyword that drives it. Um, Chiropractor in Aurora, Colorado is, is one that pops up for our campaign from time to time. That is one keyword. And let's say they didn't hire us, they're a brand new business with no capital. I would start by just ranking for that keyword, knocking them off the list one by one by one by one by one. So I say SEO is always valuable. I think it's valuable for almost every business. What that lever is, is how many keywords do I wanna end up ranking for? What's my ACV? How much time should I be putting into this? If you're selling a dollar widget, you might only need one or two keywords and then you can manage it from there. And managing takes time as well. I'm not saying it's different, but like building it, investing it from scratch, I'd say everyone should take a stab at it. It's probably worthwhile for everyone, but the scale at which you do that, uh, you know, should be tailored based on the size of your business. Let's put it to you this way. Instagram's important for everyone to be on. Twitter's important for everyone to be on, let's say for a business in the style of business or industry that you're in. Let's say Twitter's great. You should be on Twitter. I'm talking about the difference between one Twitter thread versus a hundred a day, right? Like you're not going to need to do this, the level of scale right at the beginning if you're still a new business, but it's probably worth building some, you know, uh, interest there and building up some attention there because you can grow on that over time. So that's kind of the way I would maybe, uh, answer your question a little differently because I think that is in itself a, a hot take because people, people see SEO as like, uh, I got to go all in. And again, this goes against my website thing as well. You don't have to go all in. You can go little by little by little by little and let it grow over time. Um, and SEO, don't let people fool you, can be done one keyword at a time. It might be very slow. I don't like doing it for our clients because I have a team that can manage far more than that. Um, but if you're a solo person that just wants to start it, pick the keyword that you think you have the best chance, build a target page, make sure it's good optimized content, go get some good backlinks on that page, review it, make sure it's working, make sure you're staying on top of it, make sure you're not losing to someone else, go pick another keyword and do it again. That's way, way simple, but that's the way I've always viewed it in the sense of we should have, you know, overcomplicated. It's not like something that has a very high barrier to entry. You can fractionally start to play in the SEO world and, you know, make your rules as you go along. So, so yeah, that is a very hot take. It's almost, you're saying it's, it's less of a add-on and more of a necessity. What else do you see? Website, SEO, what else do you see as things that aren't, you know, how much? It's, yes, you have to do them for a business. What are other things or yeah. is that kind of the, the core two? If we're talking just marketing, I would say, I, I do like the website and SEO play. This is probably where I'm a little biased, but I think those two are important. I think you need to you need to pick a platform and get really good at it, but you you have to have some type of cyclical or seried content. 
um, a podcast, a YouTube series, uh, a weekly blog, um, something of that sort. You need to have some type of cyclical content. You need to have some type of social media platform. You need to be doing some type of SEO, even if it's just like the very basic on-page optimization to make sure stuff is good. Those three things I think are core from a marketing perspective. You test it, you see what works, and then you start pulling levers. Okay, we have a very high close rate, but we have low attention and low awareness. Let's pull the lever for top of funnel on social. Let's get more awareness there because I think it'll come down the line. Okay, cool, we pulled top of funnel. I have 10X the leads, but only, you know, uh, you know, my close rates dropped 40%. Okay, well now I need to pull something on the site to make sure that it's gonna work a little bit better. Or, hey, I get all this attention, um, but I'm nowhere on Google. So I'm get generating all this demand, but nobody could find me because people are finding us on social and using Google to actually find our site. I need to pull that SEO lever to make sure I've created a bridge there. So I like those three levers whenever we talk about marketing of like, I get something to grab you and pull us into our space. I get something to, I guess kind of, I get something to grab your attention. I get something to grab you to pull you into my space. And then I get something to keep you in our ecosystem. So that first just grabbing your attention is going to be social. To get you into our ecosystem is going to be SEO. And then to keep you in your ecosystem is going to be your website. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's that's simple. I like that. Simple, to yeah. just Like you said, you just start out with that. And then you start to move the ladder, levers. And maybe you start to add on to social platforms. Or you really go deeper in SEO if that's driving it. No, I like that. I think for someone that's just starting out or uh, a business owner, I think you can really take that and be like, okay, if we don't have these three, Let's not focus on TikTok. Let's yeah. not, like, let's get well, even, these like, let's, maybe TikTok. Fo- fo- I was going to say, focus but. on TikTok, ignore Instagram. So I think a marketer's dilemma is always not what platform you should add. It's probably what platform you should delete or what tactic you should delete or what strategy you should delete or what blog you should delete. Marketers, <laughs> in essence, will always do too much uh, experimentation, which isn't a bad thing. It's just knowing when do you draw that line of, like, niching down and getting good at a couple things. Um, even TikTok now is kind of getting... Uh, not dense in the sense like more people are using it. It's still early, I would think, but it's you're not going to go viral the first day you post. It might take you a week. Like you're get, there's some lag time developing on that platform. There's definitely lag on Instagram and Facebook because they've been around longer. So you're going to have to put some time into it. So it's so much easier just to pick three, own it for uh, two, three, four, five, six months at minimum, and just like commit to those and see what happens. Um, so that's where I would say those three are important. Yeah. Outside of that, you can have the extracurriculars, as I'd call it. Like, you could do the fancy event marketing in person or brand marketing or things like that. Like, you can go a little higher level and like make it flashy. But I was those three things I've always leaned on heavily in, at Numa. We have a podcast, we have SEO, and we have our website. Though at the end of the day, that's like our content marketing strategy. We've added in more platforms since then. But even last week, we're cutting three out, and we're just going to basically do Twitter and LinkedIn only, and just really hone in on those. Uh, and normally people at our scale are doing the opposite and I just want to get really good at what we're doing. So <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. No, I um, like that. Then I'd say business level. What's yeah. the, what's maybe the one thing that you need? Uh, don't, don't try and do this all yourself unless you want to be a freelancer, which is fine. Cause I know plenty of freelancers that love their life because they're a one man business and it's great. If you're trying to build a business, maybe similar to what I've done, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 team members, uh, you know, some contractors as well, uh, build into your team early and often and, and let them download as much strategy from your brain as possible. Uh, I come from a world to where I'm very management consultant, business organization, stuff like that. I love the ops of it, but I've gotten into marketing as well. And like, if I have a right strategy or right approach that I want done, I have to make sure I'm investing in those team members to make sure they're downloading that strategy uh, and implementing it themselves, you know, in their projects.
Yeah, I like that a lot of people probably want to do it themselves, but you almost have to begin replicating the strategy, replicating so you can kind of offload stuff, do better, do what you can do better, more of that. And uh, just from all the stuff you said, I think a simple way is just do less, you know, say less, yeah. right? But do less with more is critical in marketing. That's good, man. All right. <clears throat> I jump into three final questions for the end. Uh, it was two. It was two a few episodes ago. So we're always hey, in this. But uh, the first the, the first question of this uh, three kind of final countdown is what is one thing you've changed your mind on in regards to marketing and business in the last one, two, three, four years? Um it doesn't always have to be difficult. I think I went into this thinking business would be, and this is business as a whole, like it was going to be this hard, crazy, detrimentally difficult type thing. Granted, there are many parts of business that are difficult. I'm not going to take that away from it. But I think I really changed my mind with the fact that if you have a good strategy, a good team, and a good vision, it is going to be hard, but it's going to be enjoyable at the same time. Uh, I think people paint entrepreneurship out to be like this massive suffering and struggling and like, there are dudes that definitely go through that and there are going to be waves. Entrepreneurship's a roller coaster. I might be at a peak right now. I might be on my way up. I might be on my way down and I don't even know because I think it's sometimes the world just controls that. Um, but I think, right, I had so much fun building it. I think I really changed my mind on the fact that like you, you can hate it and love it at the same time. I used to think those were definitely different, but like there are a lot of things I hated building the company, but I, I loved it at the exact same time because it was just fun to do. Mm, that's awesome. And obviously you've experienced it. So that's probably a reason why you change your yep. mind. I like that. Experience is the greatest uh, educator. The next question, there's this movie called Inception. Whether you've watched or not, I'll just give you a quick summary. It's pretty much the whole movie is about they go into dreams of people and they incept ideas. So then the next day that person wakes up and they believe that idea is their own idea. I'm going to sell my company. I'm going to let John buy into it, whatever that is. So if you could incept one idea in the minds of all the marketers in the world, so tomorrow they wake up and they believe this idea to be true, what is that idea? And <laughs> not everything has to be trackable or in the sense of like, if it, if you can't be tracked, it doesn't mean it's not a bad thing to do. Uh, or if it can't scale, I think mm. the two things that marketers are obsessed with are scale and tracking. And if I could go and import a dream, it would be the fact of just because it can't scale and just because you can't track it doesn't mean it's not worthwhile doing. There's a whole lot of stuff I do as a marketer of my own business that does not scale and that I cannot do and that I cannot track the impact of. But as a gut level feeling, I know my customer and I know it's going to be important to them and I do it and I always have positive benefits because of that. Uh, and I think if I could implant that in the fact of, you know, don't light up, uh, Chris Walker says this and this is kind of where he's changed a lot of my personality and mindset on this as well. Uh, he's like, don't, you know, tailor your team just to light up your marketing dashboard. Um, and I was like, right, just because you can track it doesn't mean it's the best metric in the world. And just because you can't track it doesn't mean it's a bad metric to track to begin with. You have to put a layer of as crude as it sounds like intelligence on top of all of this of like, do I really need to be tracking this arbitrary third stage metric about how many people visited this 19th page on our website and click the button? No, you, you don't. I promise you it's okay if you forget that metric. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, the world would be at least a marketing world would be much better uh, if we all could wake up tomorrow. It would be a lot, a lot less of lead magnets and like random email newsletters <laughs> that no one lead and a lot more of probably just fun, creative, good marketing. Yeah, seriously, good marketing would prevail, which we need. All right, final question. In this one, you will be able to bring some of the stuff you do outside of uh, work into this question is, is what do you do outside of business marketing that when you come back to business and marketing, you can just do it better? Yeah, dude, that's a great question. Um, 
I, I like getting outside and, and creating some separation from like this desk right here. Uh, I live in Colorado for a reason. It's because in an hour and a half I can Ooh. go hike uh, and I can get out. So one of the things that I will always do business better, and I'm even getting the habit of this now of like not even taking my phone on the hike. Um, I just go. And I, I, if, I, if I have my phone, it's part of the time because half the time I just pick a hill and I hike. I don't really do a trailhead, which can be frowned upon. But, you know, I'm going. So I'm keeping my phone to make sure if I get lost, I, someone can find me. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, yeah man, I, that's one thing that if I do that, I do work better because it just clears my head. Um, but it's one of those things. I'm not a big meditation person. I've tried it and I've struggled with it because I'm like go, 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 go. And I process throughout my day. Um, but one thing I always – found value in with meditation was the fact that like I could let certain thoughts just like be present in my mind and pass through. And I think hiking is really nice because I get out there with no external feedback. All I have is myself and it lets my brain just like run through all these thoughts over and over and over and over again. And the, the, the ones that don't need my attention start to, you know, fall off. And the ones that do need my attention start to get louder and louder and louder. So it kind of makes this room very quiet so I can hear what's causing the most noise and the most issues. Uh, and that's one thing, man. I think if you don't live in Colorado and you just want to get out, like a hack for so many people is like put the phone down and take a 30 minute walk every day. Just like create space and create some separation so you can actually think. Um, Warren Buffett talks about that. He is like uh, tries to think like six hours a day or something like that where other of us are scrambling to do 16 hour work days. And I was like, dude, thanks all day and maybe makes one decision a week. I don't know. It was in some book. But um, I always found that to be so interesting of like the more that I can get away and think and get away from the business, it's helpful. I can't do it every day. I, ha I do have a business to run, but I try and do it, you know, at least once a week to get out and just complete, get complete separation. So I can actually let some of those thoughts come through my head and acknowledge them and figure out which ones are the most important. Yeah, that's a poetic way to put it. I don't even have anything to add. You did a good job there uh, explaining the benefits. I, I I meditate. I go for walks every day, so I can totally align. Good for you, man. I could never. Things are saying of yeah, I was gonna say I tried meditation, and I just I, I kept trying, kept trying. Honestly, those hikes, uh, hikes and like a morning coffee walk with the dogs are probably like, you know, med meditation means different things for everybody. Those, those are probably my meditation because I did the uh, yeah like the sit still and tried to drown everything out. And you'll laugh at this like the first couple times. And I always did in the morning because it's what everyone told me to do. Uh, dude, I was falling asleep every single time. I was like oh, sitting no. on the couch and I'd wake up 10 minutes later and I was like, I don't think that's how they wanted me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Right, right. But it still might help get that 10 minutes of sleep. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> Honestly, some, yeah, some of the days I would have taken an extra minute. So those 10 minutes felt glorious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Meditation does mean many things. More or less mindfulness is kind of what I try to focus on, which you can get walking in nature, I feel, uh, just as easily. All right. Final section. Open the floor up for you to plug anything you talked about. You got a podcast. You talked about some of the work you do. Plug that now, and obviously everything you plug, I'll put into the, the podcast. Yeah, I think the only thing I want to plug, um, if y'all are interested in chatting with me, come find me. Uh, I am on LinkedIn, and I am on Twitter. Uh, our website is numallc.co, uh, and we have a, web, or a website. We have a podcast called How to Build a Website, uh, where we talk about a lot of website stuff, but we talk about a lot of marketing stuff like this as well. Um, yeah, that's about it. If you know somebody who wants web or SEO, you want us to at least chat with them and give them all the insights, uh, more than happy to. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much, David, for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And this is the end of the podcast.